Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Blush Podcast. Heva, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing so great. You know, every episode, it's kind of become a little tradition. <laughs> Whether it's a tradition we intended to happen or not, I really don't know. I don't think this was intentional. No, I mean, at this point, it's intentional, yeah. but it definitely didn't start with intention. No, but apparently we have to now start every episode with a story about one of our holes, whether it's <laughs> or someone else's hole, like God forbid. Shout out to Lila and her 2021 hole. Yes. So this week, we're going to take it old school. We're going to go to a childhood story about my vagina. Oh God. I can't believe I'm sharing this. It's so mortifying. But when I was about five or six, I started getting really chronic yeast infections. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're getting really personal and talking about childhood traumas. So I don't know where these yeast infections came from. It remains a medical mystery. My mom was obviously deeply concerned that her little five-year-old is itching herself constantly and (laughs) took me to the doctor. Look, when you're five or six and they want to examine your private parts, you don't want that to happen. So I very vividly remember They had to bring in, I'm not exaggerating, about three to four nurses. I want to say four because each nurse had a limb and they had to hold me down. God, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know this sounds kind of dark, but it's not that dark. They had to hold me down so the doctor could examine me because I was freaking out. I was just having the biggest temper tantrum because I didn't want anyone to look at me down there. So each nurse took a limb. The doctor was able to look at me and he was like, listen, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea where this is stemming from. She does have a yeast infection. Uh, Who knows? It was probably something I was eating and having some sort of reaction to. So my mom had tried ointments and stuff, but nothing was really working. And also I was really little. So I think she thought it would be better to take it the more homeopathic way. So she would fill up these like little tubs of water and baking soda (laughs) and I would have to sit in this water baking soda mixture for I want to say like an hour I would just sit and soak in it you know I'm sitting in the bathroom in the tub I can't have a tv in there I'm like kind of playing with my barbies just soaking (laughs) I could like hear kids outside playing and like I can't go because I'm having yeast infections every day (laughs) and it was traumatic I mean I I can't imagine how many like things I missed out on because I had to soak in the fucking tub for like two hours eventually they naturally just went away I don't know why or how we still don't know but eventually they stopped happening but I realized as I got older if I ever saw any sort of recipe that required baking soda I was like (laughs) absolutely not I associate 
baking soda with my little yeasty vagina and (laughs) there's no way I'm putting baking soda in my like chocolate chip cookies. So unintentionally, I don't even know, I I realized this kind of recently that baking soda is a massive, massive trigger for me. Wow. Wow. I don't even know what to say. Honestly, I... Really, I'm just paralyzed by fear because I think the FBI is going to be all over this podcast soon. <laughs> like Moving right along, it is a trigger for me, baking soda. And we all have triggers, right? And we're going to be talking about triggers this episode. You know, this month we really wanted to dive into the theme of staying in your power. And we've talked about how fears take you away from your power, how body image issues make you feel less in your power. And so now we're going to talk about triggers because triggers are essentially areas where you feel weak and you're not in your power. So Tiffany, what are your biggest triggers other than baking soda? Other than baking soda, I would say one of my biggest triggers is men being late. Not women, but specifically men being late. And it's not as bad now. It was much worse when I was younger. What about you? I have that a little bit too. Uh, Definitely not with women. I mean, I'm always late. so But I do kind of get it with men. I know what you mean. My biggest one, though, is texting related. And it's like, I mean, if I don't hear back from a guy, good God, that's the biggest one. But even if I just don't hear from a guy for a couple of days, that will set me off, too. Does it have to be a guy you're dating or can it just be anyone with a penis? No, like a guy I'm into. Have you had any situations where a guy hasn't texted you back and you kind of lost it? All the time. So what I used to do back in the day was I would block them, which (laughs) I don't even know what the point of that is, because then when they do get back to me, I don't even fucking know. I guess in my mind, I'm like, you know what? you can't text me back or you can't text me, well, fuck you. I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm going to block you. I'm going to cut off all communication. We're never speaking again, blah, blah. And a part of me wants them to see like the text not go through and know that they fucked up and like lost me for life. Except it never plays out like that. I block them for a little bit and then I'm like, well, this is dumb. Now I won't even know (laughs) if they are texting me. (laughs) So (laughs) I unblock them. The other day... I (laughs) went through my entire chat history with this guy on WhatsApp and deleted all of the messages that I had sent him and I removed him as a contact and (laughs) I was like... But again, it's like, what does this actually accomplish? Except when he goes to look at her chat window, he's like, why are all her messages gone? But it really, again, it just does nothing. I think it's my way of being like, fuck you. Like, I'm cutting off communication with you. It's your coping mechanism of dealing with it. Yeah, but I, I have graduated a little bit 
thanks to your helpful wisdom. <laughs> and what I mainly do now is I just text other guys. That's the best thing to do if a guy isn't texting you. And I think this is a pretty normal, common trigger for a lot of women. And yeah, just have your backup guy that you know is going to respond to your text, but you probably also will never date him. <laughs> Which is so fucked up. I mean, it's my way of dealing with all of my dating triggers now. And I like when I think about it, the past two months is the most aggressively I've ever dated. Like there was one week where I went out with four different guys. And it's only because I've been dating a guy who I actually really like. And every time he doesn't text me for a day, I'm like, oh, you can't text me? Guess what? John can, Dan can, (laughs) Mike can. All these guys are into me. And it's really because of him that I've been dating so much. Like I was thinking about it and I'm a deeply, deeply, deeply loyal person. And I don't think I would ever cheat, but if I ever did cheat, I think I would honestly be like, hey, it's your fault. Like <laughs> if you had just, just texted, texted me, me <laughs> I wouldn't have cheated, but you didn't text me. So I really had no option but to fuck <laughs> this other person. <laughs> Yeah, because at some point, if they're just keep doing it, you have to take it to a further level. Like it can't like texting other guys is not going to be enough. No. And I mean, it's not texting. I'm dating like I'm about to be in a full blown relationship with (laughs) two various people. (laughs) All because the guy I actually like (laughs) doesn't text me every day. I've very rarely dated guys that are good at texting. Like I always they're they never are. Where are those guys that are amazing at texting? Who are they texting? Because I want to be on the other end of that. Like I have this one guy who texts me like all day, every day. And he has the same job actually as the guy I actually do like. And so I'm constantly like, hey, well, the Colombian manages <laughs> to text me all day, every fucking day. And you can't like it, it really, truly like kind of makes it worse in a way to have a guy who is <laughs> really good at texting so for any guy that's dating Hiva there's really no winning if you're bad at it that's gonna trigger her and if you're really good at it that's also gonna freak her out how do you feel is it just like an anxious feeling that you get yeah I think really what it is is I start doubting everything. I'm like, well, obviously he's not that into me because he's not texting me that much. And then I have evidence. I'm like, because look, the Colombian is super into me and he's texting me nonstop. So if, you know, this other guy was more into me, he'd be texting me more. It's not that I actually am that needy or need to talk to someone constantly. Like if I had a boyfriend who was, you know, in prison and didn't have access to a phone, I'd be fine not talking to him all the time. It's the fact that he could be texting me and is choosing not to that it leads me to believe that he's just not into me. Yeah. I see red when I'm triggered. It's such a deep, visceral anger. And the being late thing doesn't get me as angry as it used to. Also... I don't have any guys like picking me up and taking me anywhere. So (laughs) that can't really be an option. But it's funny because it's always you also attract your trigger, right? Like I Mm -hmm. had this trigger of a guy being late. And of course, I end up dating a guy that is 
always late and he'd have to come pick me up and every single time he would be late and I would communicate with him. I'd say, listen, I love you, but this is really triggering for me. I get ready and I'm waiting for you to come and I'm waiting upwards to like 45 minutes and you're not there. And I would text him and he'd be like, I'm on my way. I'm coming. I'm almost there. Like I'm living in town. I'm living in town. I'm living in town. And 40 minutes has passed by and he's not there yet. And I am just blood is boiling you know, when someone keeps doing something and pushing your button, eventually you're going to explode, right? So one time he comes to pick me up. He's like 45 minutes, an hour late. I get in the car. I'm very visibly upset. And it had just gone to the point where this had happened so many times. No matter how much I communicated with him, it just, it didn't make a difference. And I I'm so mad and he's kind of trying to calm me down, but also not really doing a good job. And I hate when men don't know how to calm you down, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you're so upset and they don't know how to handle the situation. So he's driving his car and we're in a residential neighborhood and he's probably going around 25 to 30 miles an hour. He's not going that fast. I am seeing bright, bright red. I look to the left and he has... A stack of maybe 50 to 60 CDs. This was a while ago. This is when you put CDs in your car. (laughs) I roll down my window. I take the CDs. (laughs) And I say something on the lines of, you want to be late? You want to be late, motherfucker? Let's go. (laughs) I take the CDs and I throw them all out the window. And I probably did it in like multiple series because there were so many. But I'm like quick. I'm like grabbing 10 out the window, grabbing another 10 out the window. And he's driving so he can't stop me. It's like a free for all. So he quickly pulls over, like very quickly pulls over. And there is CDs everywhere. It's in the middle of the street. It's in someone's front yard. Because keep in mind, we were in a residential area. So there's like houses. And I'm sure someone looked out the window and was like, why is this crazy bitch throwing CDs out the window? And this poor guy, he's scrambling to pick them up before like someone drives by and like ruins all of them. So he gets all the CDs. And I will say, after that, no longer late. So I'm not saying saying resort to damaging personal property to make a statement, but it did work for me. So that's all I'm going to say on that. So, but then, so six months go by, and I will say, he was very rarely late. He was always on time to pick me up. The message was loud and clear that I had sent. And about six months later, I'm waiting for him to come pick me up. And he had texted me and said, I'm leaving my place. I'll see you in like 20. He'd also always have to give me a heads up so I knew. You know, I think that's normal. You give someone a heads up, right? So he gives me the heads up. I'm sitting there waiting 20 minutes pass by, nothing. 40 minutes pass by, nothing. I text him. I'm calling him. And at this point, I don't know if I should be angry or concerned because 
he was always chronically late so he could just be resorting back to that kind of behavior like maybe he forgot about the cd incident and i gotta throw some <laughs> shit back into the wind again or maybe something has happened so i hate when it's like you're like is he is he dead or is he just not give a fuck about me and i didn't know then three hours pass by and I'm just sitting there like, okay, he's not picking up his phone. It's it's just ringing and going to voicemail. Something has to be up. Finally, three and a half, four hours later, I get a phone call from the correctional facility. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, hey, do you want to receive a phone call from his name? And I go, well, yeah. And it's my boyfriend. He's in jail (laughs) and the first thing I'm like hello what's going on he's like this is the only phone call I was given and I'm calling to tell you I'm not running late I'm sitting in jail right now (laughs) I got arrested outside of your place as I was right when I arrived And it was for like an outstanding ticket that I guess he didn't go to court for. And he was driving to pick me up and a police officer checked his license plate and followed him to my place and then arrested him literally right outside my place. And all I could think was, this guy is sitting in jail, but he's more (laughs) afraid of me (laughs) than the jail. Because I was like, wait, if I'm your only phone call, like, don't you need to call your parents or something to bail you out? He's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I just needed to let you know. So, ladies, put fear into men. So when they're sitting in jail, they call you because they don't want you to be upset. But yeah, so that so, you know, I've gotten better after that. I honestly felt really guilty that I had I'd made him so scared that it kind of I was like, God, I can't I can't be this triggered by this anymore. It's unhealthy. Yeah. You know, whatever. We can't <laughs> always be health and wellness. Sometimes we got to be a little toxic. <laughs> hey, it does sometimes work. I'm not advocating for toxic behavior, but sometimes it's the only way you can get your point across. It's all about balance. Exactly. We thought it would be fun to also discuss things that we've done that have triggered guys. I just have to tell you guys, I texted every single guy <laughs> that I've had any sort of romance with in the past 12 years if not longer and I mean anything like guys that I've just kind of you know gone on a few dates with over the course of a few weeks guys who I mean there was one guy who I wasn't even dating we were just really close friends but he was really into me and we would make out I texted him I texted (laughs) every fucking guy I texted the German I texted them all and asked them what triggered them when we were dating so you're welcome guys because those were a series of highly uncomfortable conversations (laughs) that I had for this podcast and so what was the general consensus you would say the number one thing that the guys said you know they had various forms of it but the number one thing really was my relationships with other guys whether it was my oh yeah my friendships with other guys or like they perceived me to have like flirtatious things with other guys all I have to say to this is 
I am a deeply loyal person. I, if it were my choice, I would like to meet my person tomorrow and not date anyone else and just be together. Like I have zero issues with monogamy. I've never cheated. I probably will never cheat. I'm a deeply loyal person. If I'm flirting with other guys, it's because you're not texting me. (laughs) It's your fucking fault. (laughs) (laughs) do you think they felt like those guys were into you and even though it wasn't reciprocated that still in some way made them feel kind of negative yes I don't feel guilty about having a lot of guy friends at all but I will concede that I often in relationships have had a guy at least that's I knew was into me but I was just platonic with But again, I think the reason I had that guy is because I'm like, oh, you're not going to do this. Guess what? Mike will. So you think if you were in a relationship where the guy was being triggered by it, but he was also giving you everything that you needed, that you would put aside some of your guy friends? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Not like platonic guy friends. Like if there's nothing going on there, like a guy friend who I knew was into me. Yeah. In their defense, in the guy's defense, I'm not defending it. I do think if if you're that insecure, then that's a, a, a huge issue. But I always am a little suspect of fully platonic male female relationships have I had them yes I do think they're kind of rare I kind of disagree only because I've had a lot I could easily list off at least five guys in my life who I've been extremely close with who've never been into me and I've never been into them do you think though that if push came to shove they definitely would not have sex with you. If we were drinking and I really wanted to, like, yeah, maybe they would, but I don't think they have any... I'm just thinking of some of these guys in my life. They're like brothers. Like, I don't think they think about me in that way. No, and they probably don't, but I'm just saying that if you maybe made a move... Yeah, but, you know, that's But see, I can guarantee that if me and you got really wasted, we wouldn't have sex. So that's the only thing. That's the only thing. Well, but I can guarantee that I wouldn't have sex with them. That's fair. I'm just playing a little bit of a devil's advocate in the guy's defense because I think guys know how other guys operate. Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not from a place of jealousy or insecurity. They're just like, listen, I know how I am. I assume all other guys are kind of the same way in in a certain degree. Yeah, and I get that. Like with my ex, the comedian, I dated him kind of right when I moved to New York, and I was still in touch with my realtor from when I was finding my apartment in New York. Like we would hang out sometimes, we'd text and stuff. And the comedian would constantly be like, why the fuck do you need to keep being friends with this person? Like, I don't understand. He found you an apartment and now it's time to sever that friendship. And in all fairness, it is kind of fucking weird and I get it. But, you know, I just wasn't getting everything that I wanted in that relationship. So I just kept these other guys in the picture. Now, my goal for the future is to not do that. That makes complete sense. And I think that's a really normal trigger for women and men when, you know, platonic relationships that they can question. I did not text every guy I've dated (laughs) because of obvious reasons. I did ask Mr. B, what do I do that triggers you? And he could only think of one thing. And he said, and I think other guys have actually been triggered by this as well, is my hair is 
everywhere. Everywhere. I shed like a cat. I shed probably more than the cats, to be quite honest. I think I've become so accustomed to it that I don't realize it. So there'll just be hair everywhere and I'm numb to it to a certain degree. And it is something I'm working on to get better at. And he's very patient. But I know other guys have texted me after we've hooked up and been like, yeah, I found your hair in my bed like a week later. And I was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Hope the other girl didn't find it. Yeah, same with shedding. It's out of control. Like I actively shed more than my dog does. It's, I mean, it's everywhere. When I wash my hair, the amount of hair that comes out, it honestly, it's enough to field a wig. Same. And I will say, you know, I'm conscious that this triggers him and I'm not perfect by any means at sorting through it. I mean, literally the other week, someone had to come clean out our drain because there was so much hair in it. But I am actively working. And I will say, you know, if someone is triggering you, I am by no means doing it intentionally. So I think a lot of times when people trigger us, it is unintentional. I think very few times is it intentional. And I've also intentionally triggered people in relationships. Me too. Well, not, yeah, me too. But my number one thing I used to do, and this is actually the same fucking theme. This wasn't someone I was dating. It was my gay best friend in college. And he was really triggered by this other guy that we were friends with. Let's call the gay best friend James and the other guy Will. So James was always really triggered by Will. And Will and I were good friends. And so anytime, like, I wanted something out of James, like, they both had Adderall prescriptions and I didn't at the time. By the way, I highly, highly advise against taking Adderall. I just want to say this right now. But, you know, I was in college. I'd occasionally take some to study, whatever. I remember, like, I would ask James for Adderall. And if he was ever like, oh, I'd be like, oh, that's okay. I'll just go ask Will. And he's like, fuck you. You know how (laughs) triggered I am by this. Fine, I'll give you the fucking Adderall, you fucking bitch. Why was he so triggered? Because James always thought that Will was gay, too. And Will wasn't openly gay. And he kind of thought of Will as, like, competition for being, like, my husband. Will is actually married to a man now. So turns out he was right. (laughs) When you do stuff to intentionally trigger someone, you're just trying to get the upper hand, right? Yeah, yeah, because you're taking their power away. Yeah. in a way you feel like you have more power. I'm, I'm not saying I do that now. I've actually really tried to stop a lot of my old toxic behavior, but there's 100% been guys. I will analyze a guy just on like when we start dating and see what triggers him. And then whatever his triggers are, I will use it in fights. I would use it to get what I want. I mean, however I can manipulate it to be in the advantage I would 100% do, which is so bad. Have you done stuff like that with guys you've dated? No, because I have a hard time knowing what they're trying. I mean, I guess subconsciously I do it with my friendships with other guys. Yeah, I guess I guess that's how I've done it. If I'm dating a guy and I know he doesn't want a relationship, I don't know why I do this, but in my head, I think if I bring up that and I know it's going to trigger him, I do it sometimes, and this is going to sound really fucking weird, almost to make him numb. Okay. 
keep going. <laughs> this is so psychotic. So it's like when I was dating a guy, I knew he didn't want a relationship and he had voiced that. But I would just bring up commitment randomly. And at first I noticed he would get kind of triggered and maybe a little turned off, but then I wouldn't delve that deep into it. And then I did this so much that eventually when I would bring up commitment, it wouldn't freak him out. Okay. I do this with a lot of things I've noticed where like if I know something irritates a guy, I just keep doing it until they're no longer irritated. (laughs) I just break them down. It's toxic though. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. Honestly, guys should do that with me with texting. You know, like ease me into (laughs) not texting me every day. Just leave you on red so much that eventually you're just numb. And you know what it is? If they were just always habitually bad, you probably wouldn't get as triggered, Mm -hmm. right? It's when sometimes they respond really quickly and then they don't. And it's like this like ping pong type Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Or no, you think it's no matter what, you're still triggered? For me, it's less responding because I generally won't text a guy first. For me, it's like, why isn't he, why hasn't he texted me today? That's usually my thing. But if he never texts you, then you wouldn't be waiting for the text. Well, then we would just never speak. (laughs) That's how that would go down. He just texts you to like hang out. Like he's not like texting you every day to see how you are. He's just like, hey, see you Thursday. And then you don't hear from him until Thursday or Wednesday. Yeah. And that in and of itself doesn't actually bother me. You know, we put it in our stories to ask you guys for your triggers. And someone wrote, when we're trying to make plans and they take a long time to respond, I wholeheartedly hear you. And that's my number one thing in texting. We also got any lie, even if it's small, hashtag trust issues. One woman said, when men introduce themselves to other men in a room, but not women, I immediately assume sexist. Oh, okay. That's kind of astute and I don't disagree. Okay. Threats. I hate them. I'm guessing when you threaten the the relationship uh, in a way. Yeah. That's what I'm okay. assuming. Yeah. Stuff like that. Parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God. Who isn't triggered by their parents? Honestly, if you're not triggered by your parents, like you're not doing life right. <laughs> Seriously. And one of my favorites is my friends fucking someone I want. Ooh, does that happen often? <laughs> you know, for me, the moment if one of my friends is into a guy, I immediately I don't even look at him twice. Yeah, same, same. I've never had that happen. I also got a few other ones that I liked. Um, a guy said being called skinny. I see that, uh, you know, revisit episode 14. Let's just not comment on people's weights at all. Disagreements. I get that. I often, if I have like a little fight or a disagreement with a guy, I often wonder like, okay, is it all over now? Feeling out of control of my own time. Totally get that being told what to do. I mean, these are all fair. <gasps> I relate to that. I relate to that so hard. I hate being told what to do. Advice is different. Like I like if someone's like, here's the advice I have for you. But if especially not my girlfriends though, but if a man tells me what to do, I do get very, very angry. Yeah, I totally get that. So we've talked a lot about our triggers, our toxic behavior, other toxic behavior. Kiva, how do you think is the best way to, with everything that we've said, to navigate your trigger and how to like 
make it better so you're not getting anxiety or seeing red and getting upset? I think that there's three steps that you need to take. First, you need to be aware of your trigger. You really need to, you know, if you're getting upset by something, really sit and think, okay, why am I upset? What happened? And try to find a pattern. So for example, for me with the texting, I'm like, okay, I see a pattern here when I don't hear from a guy for a couple of days or whatever, I get triggered. And then you really want to dig into why this triggers you. And this is something that I'm currently working on because I see this texting trigger, this guy that I have in my life keeps activating it over and over and over again. And I suspect that that's a big part of why he's in my life because I need to get past this trigger. And honestly, it probably has something to do with your childhood. Like with the lateness with you, Tiffany, mm-hmm. I bet that at some point in your early childhood, you would have to like wait on a parent a lot. And so. Yep. Wait, Heva, that's exactly <laughs> really? what it is. Yeah, you nailed it. I have chills. That's literally well, my mom would drop me off to my dad. My dad would always be late. Mm. But actually, I did one of your exercises and I went back to that moment of my dad always being late and I realized my dad wasn't really being that late. My mom was always early. Uh... So it would seem because we would and my mom is someone that always shows up to everything super early. She would show up 20, 30 minutes early And then my dad would be like 10 minutes late. So we're just sitting there for like 45 minutes and my anxiety is building to level 10. So 100% you guys listen to Hevo. She just psychoanalyzed me. She had no idea I had this. So really take a paper and pen and write these notes down. And honestly, I still haven't figured out where mine comes from. I'm sure it's something with my dad in very early childhood But I started doing this today and I plan on doing it every day until I can really crack away at this. I've talked about this workshop before, tobemagnetic.com. I'll put it in the show notes. They have a bunch of workshops, but they have these guided meditation things that can really help you unpack why you're being triggered and what the root is like the very first time that you experience this and how to kind of rewrite that story while you're in a deep meditative state so that you build new neural pathways and can move past that trigger and then once you you know you're aware of it and you're digging into why this triggers you and you're working through it I think you should also be communicative with your partner and tell them that this triggers you because at the end of the day, whatever it is, it's your own bullshit and it's not fair to put that on another person. But I do think that you should be honest so that they can do their best to avoid triggering you also. When I shared what my trigger was and Heva completely nailed it, we did one of those guided meditations when I was with you, when I was staying with you in New York. And that's how I realized oh, wow. that. Yeah. I went back to that moment and then a month later, it all kind of sunk in. I think when you see the root of it, it really does make a difference to help the trigger kind of go away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it probably is going to stop coming up in your life because you've kind of learned that lesson and you can move past it. And even if it was coming up, it probably 
wouldn't bother you. Like one thing that really used to trigger me being quote unquote copied. Like this was a big thing for me in elementary school. Like when we would do art projects and stuff and someone would copy my idea. It was a big thing for me on Instagram. Like I would notice people kind of doing things very similar to me and it would really trigger me. And then I took that through the guided meditation thing that I talked about. And I realized that there was this root in childhood of someone stealing my idea and then winning an award that I felt like I should have won. And so, oh, damn. Yeah. So then once I kind of rewrote that, it never happened again. And I, I can't say that it's never happened again because I don't know, maybe people are still copying my shit on Instagram. I don't know. I just don't give a shit. So yeah. it's either not happening at all or it's happening and I just don't care. Yes. And it goes back to what Heva said at the beginning of this episode. We're doing our whole theme of of power. And at the end of the day, I, I want to be sensitive to triggers because obviously we all have them, right? But you really don't want to give anything too much power in your life because you're taking it away from yourself. So if that's something to just keep in mind that whatever your trigger is, you're obviously giving it a lot, a lot of power. I'm not saying you shouldn't give it some power because clearly it's something sensitive for you, but see if you can take a step back and really realize that. And just if anything, say to yourself, well, why am I giving this thing that's probably not that big of a deal so much fucking power? And one thing I would actually recommend is going back to episode 12 And re-listening to the little speech that Tiffany gave, because I think (laughs) it's really helpful. And I mean, it was kind of more specifically about dating, but I think it can apply to anything. Like, stop giving these things power over your life. And, you know, it's easy to say that consciously on the conscious realm. It's a lot more work to take the subconscious trigger away. And that's why I recommend that guided meditation to really work on the subconscious. But I think it's always useful to pair subconscious work with action steps in the conscious space. A hundred percent. So I guess very briefly, the key, the number one thing you should do is realize what your trigger is. If something's making you, as I said, see red, or as Heva said, sort of give you anxiety and make you feel uneasy more than you think it should be, it's probably a trigger. And the moment you realize that this specific thing and really try and hone in what it is, is triggering you, then do the subconscious work that he was talking about to see what the root is. And as she said, the, it's, the link is going to be in the show notes. So check that out. And then the last thing to do is realize that it's taking the power away from you. And as you're doing the subconscious work, as you're trying to get through it, always just have that at the front of your mind that this is taking the power away. And so whenever you feel triggered, if you start seeing red, if you start feeling anxious, just say that to yourself. And hopefully that all these things kind of help. I love that. Yeah. Heva, is there anything you want to add? Yes. Actually, I have an idea. The next time that you're triggered by someone, just send them a link to this episode Because I think it's really nice because you not only communicate that it's a trigger for you, but you also communicate that you're aware of it and that you're working on it and that you want to learn and grow from it. 
Yeah, and maybe they can also realize if they hear us talking about how psychotic we are and that I'm throwing <laughs> things out windows and probably however you're reacting is not as not as bad. Right? Yeah, so. be grateful that I'm not setting your shit on fire, okay? <laughs> I do feel really bad about that. Maybe we can incorporate that into the giveaway. Oh, okay. Maybe if you post this episode to your story and tag us, I'll send you a CD. It doesn't take away what I did of damaging about 50 (laughs) CDs that my ex-boyfriend had collected over the course of his life. Maybe like a Spotify playlist. I don't know that people have CD players anymore. (laughs) I'm sending you a fucking All right, okay. You're getting a compact disc, guys. No, no. I will... No, okay. You're right. I'm, like, living in 2005. Yeah, you have to go to, like, the Museum of Natural History to find something that can even play it. Okay. He was right. I will create a Spotify playlist for you that'll be all my favorite songs. <laughs> Which I'm sure you'll love. Who wouldn't want this giveaway, honestly? It's so deeply personal, honestly. So please enter this giveaway. And look, all jokes aside, we always do these giveaways. We hope you like them. But every time you do post an episode to your story and tag us, we genuinely appreciate it so much. It means so much to us. It really makes our day. And also on that note, leaving a review on the podcast app helps us so much so you know if you're not going to do it for the giveaway maybe do it to make us happy or maybe we can start a new (laughs) approach of just threats so (laughs) (laughs) if you don't do this Tiffany will throw your shit out of a moving car I will find you and I will hop into your moving vehicle and everything that you love will be sitting in someone's front yard (laughs) since that's the only thing that works. So yeah, threats, love, giveaway. I don't know. We'll see what works best, but just fucking do it, guys. Whatever triggers you, we will do. (laughs) We love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Oh, 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 oh,